David. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And welcome back to another episode of the podcast, the number one podcast in some sense. I'm sure we're number one on some list. <laughs> and that podcast is. What's the smell? You thinking again. That's right. Welcome back to episode 15. One wow. five. Wow. We are on a roll when it comes to these episodes. We're keeping it strong. We are. Uh, how are you doing today, David? I'm doing well, Connor. How are you? How's the weather down there? And uh, uh, yeah, the weather is actually pretty nice today. Not as miserable as last week. Sun yeah. sun's out this time. Uh, how's Wisconsin? Wisconsin's looking pretty sunny today. Oh, that's pretty good. Pretty good. All right, I do enjoy a good sunny day because it helps us uh, stay positive in this uh, podcast during the probably the most depressing year in memory since like you know 1939 when the great depression ended but actually no it didn't end in 1939 didn't it ended like when world war one started or but it started in 1939 oh yeah then we're good yeah so there's your little history lesson for the day but uh here's the thing uh 2020 has been really depressing so we decided that this this week we would decide to help you guys out the listeners because there's been no theaters, so naturally it's been hard to find movies. Yeah. And so we decided we were going to gather up the movies that we've seen in 2020, like 2020 movies like, like that came out this year. And we're going to talk about them to you guys. So if maybe if you've never heard of them or you weren't planning to watch them yet, we're going to give you a little reminder that these things exist and you should go check them out. Or even if we don't like them, I mean, like maybe you'll like them, you know, our Definitely. opinion. Yeah, our opinion isn't like the be all end all. So. If we don't like it, that does not mean that you won't like it. So you should still check it out because there's not that many movies coming out in 2020. Uh, yeah. Yep. Um, all right. Yeah. So like I said, keep in mind, this is all opinions and we're just trying to share with you movies that have come out. And um, I think with our numbering, David, uh, I think you should be. Wait. Um, yeah, you should begin. I'm it. good. Yeah, go for it. All right. So, the first movie I'm going to talk about is a movie that I actually watched recently, last mm-hmm. night. Ooh, last um, night. So, St- studying up for the podcast. Not really. Oh. Um, but I was with my buddy Sean, right? Mm-hmm. My, my buddy Sean. Review, bro. Review, bro. Review, bro. Review, bro. Um, and, um, I was also with my good friend, Olivia Mayran, right? Can you, can you say that name very slowly? Olivia. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Olivia. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Oh, very cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to watch The Kissing Booth 2. Oh. Which is a Netflix film. It's actually a Netflix sequel that is directed by Vince... Marcello. All right. And I never saw the first Kissing Booth. So going into this, I wasn't too sure what to expect, right? Well, I mean, is it one of those sequels that you can you can watch without watching the original? Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Oh, okay. I got I got I got what was going on. Gotcha. Okay. So anyways, if you know what the Kissing Booth is about. I'm guessing it's probably pretty similar. Um, in my opinion, this movie honestly doesn't seem that necessary. Mm-hmm. Right? 
Um, because I'm assuming that the first movie, and I, I did a bit of research before here beforehand, and the first movie is about a kissing booth and this girl getting with her best friend's older brother, I think. Weird. Okay. And they had their first kiss at a kissing booth. Oh, well, that's that's definitely giving you what you, what you came for, I suppose. Most definitely. <laughs> um, but coming into this movie, it's not until about an hour and 45 minutes in when the kissing booth, like, actually shows up. And how long is the movie? Like, two hours and 12 minutes long. That is absurdly long for a movie called Kissing Booth 2. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this movie is so long. There are so many unnecessary scenes. Heck, this movie is just unnecessary. I don't, I don't really know why it exists. I don't know why The Kissing Booth needed a sequel. Um, just watching it, I could tell this movie was unnecessary. Like, I didn't even have to watch the first one. And I could already tell this movie was unnecessary. And I know this movie is... It's, it's a chick flick, you know? It's not, it's not supposed to have much depth into it. It's just a movie that you could enjoy. You know, get, get the feelies to... Uh, cuddle up, cuddle up with your mans, and watch some Kissing Booth two or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but if if you if you're single like me and Connor, uh, that was the saddest movie, thing I've ever heard. <laughs> this movie is probably not worth your time. Mm. Um, also the first one, I if you've seen it, cool. Um, if you haven't, you're not missing out. Um, and you're definitely not missing out on this sequel. <laughs> uh, I would say it's definitely a 2020 flop. Ooh, a 2020 flop. Ooh, we should start doing that. Uh, if we th- if we think positively of it, we should say it's a, t- a 2020 uh, a 2020 win. And if it's, we think <laughs> negatively, it's a 2020 flop. Ooh. All right, all right. Uh, good introduction, man. That was a good. That was a good uh, segue into the rest of the episode. So I'm gonna talk about my next movie. I'm, I've kind of have them lined up in terms oh, of oh, my... Guys, 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 oh, guys, guys. whoa, 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 whoa. We just want to remind you, this is not a ranking list. This is just like us giving you oh, a yeah. It's just, it's, yeah, it's just a kind of, kind of a list of recommendations. We're not, yeah. Good, yeah, good call, good call. Not a ranking. Yes. Though, <laughs> well, segueing off of that, um, my, I kind of tried to sort mine in terms of my opinion. Not that it's ranked because I left out a couple of movies, but the ones I want to talk about, I kind of have them. Uh, lined up from my favorites or my least favorites to favorites. Not in a ranking, but they're kind of just lined up that way. Purely coincidental. Anywho, uh, my first one I want to talk about is a movie that's exclusive to Netflix, just as Kissing Booth was. Kissing Booth 2. Is it Tall Girl? No. No, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> Tall Girl was 2019, but no. Do not watch <laughs> that film. Uh, but what I want to talk about today is a movie called The Willow Bees. It came out on uh, earlier this year. It's an animated film. And it was directed by a man named Chris Pern. It stars Will Forte, Maya Rudolph, Alicia Cara, Terry Crews. It's got the whole gang. Uh, essentially, the plot, it's based off of a kid's book. And the kid's book is about how these four kids, they, they live in this house, these two parents who like absolutely love each other, but they have shown no regard for the kids. Like, completely throw them aside don't do like anything with them completely ignore them and get mad at them anytime they want attention 
And eventually the kids figure out if uh, they find out about this like vacation place. So they make this, uh, they make this flyer that tells you like all these dangerous places you can go in the world in the hopes that um, the, in the hopes that the parents will die on this trip oh so that they can become orphans. Yeah. Uh, Louise is, it's, it's kind of a darker movie, but I, I, I was having to segue into my opinion on it. I feel like that premise promises a lot darker of a movie than this is because it's kind of, it's very sickly sweet and like very cartoony and very over the top. And I, not that that's necessarily a bad thing. Like there are plenty of movies that do that. Well, the first one that comes to mind is like five chance of meatballs. I enjoy that movie, but it's super cartoony. This is very similar to that, but I feel like it thinks it's a lot darker than it is because aside from that premise and aside from a couple of scenes that get a little dark near the end, especially there's one scene that's, I think probably one of my favorites in the movie. Um, like besides that, the movie is not that dark and it doesn't, and it kind of treats itself like it is super mature and dark. And I'm like, well, it's, it's still a really kiddie kids movie. Like, uh, like you could still watch this with your five-year-old and they'll have a great time. Like it's not so dark that like it it warrants being that the movie constantly saying this is this is a pretty dark kids movie, okay? Like the movie totally kind of hammers that in, and it's not that dark. It also has way too many ridiculously over-the-top characters, in my opinion. Like uh, you need like those characters who are normal so that you can like remember that like oh yeah the things they're doing are really crazy and over the top we need some guy to ground that you know but the the movie kind of has like everyone be really crazy and unrealistic so it gets kind of like exhausting but as a whole it's not really terrible and i think if you're a huge animation person this is a really cool one to watch because it has a lot of really interesting ideas done and has like interesting um interesting like animation styles but like I don't know. I feel like, like it's a little too hyper hyperactive in my opinion. But you should totally check it out anyway because it's a 2020 movie and it's also one that I feel is a little more unique than the average film. Interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I would say it's a 2020 flop, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's a huge flop. It's on the verge, you know? But yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. On to the next one, David. All right. My next suggestion is Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge. Oh yeah, that was a really cool way of saying it. Uh, okay, and okay. also, um, you, you suggested this one once. I right? did. That's I awesome. Did. Please uh, go into some detail as to what kind of film this is. Alright, this movie was directed by Ethan Spaulding. It has Joel McHale, oh. Jennifer Carpenter, and Ike Amandi. That's a pretty good lineup. I especially like that Joel McHale guy. He should do <laughs> comedies. <laughs> Anyways, this movie, I actually really enjoyed this movie. It was a lot of fun. Um, personally, like I said before, I'm a pretty big Mortal Kombat guy. Mm-hmm. Um, not as much so recently, but a couple years back. Uh, not to brag, but uh, I won forty dollars playing Mortal Kombat once. Yeah, not gonna lie, he's kind of a big deal. Yeah, I, I was kind of like pretty good. Um, but anyways, I really enjoyed this movie. It was it was compared to like past Mortal Kombat movies, <laughs> this one 
is actually really good, and the combat is really fun and interesting. Would you say it was mortal? Definitely mortal. And a lot of combat. I'll tell you that. Um, there's a lot of gore. Like I mentioned before, if you are squeamish about that, probably don't want to watch this movie. But if you think that's awesome, definitely check this movie out. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, unlike Kissing Booth, it's the kind of movie that you can watch with your boys. A lot of, <laughs> unlike Kissing Booth, this is actually good. <laughs> <laughs> you, can get, you can get a lot of fun. As me with your boys, you know, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a real boys night out movie, I gotta say. Definitely. That's a, that's a high, high bar. So this yeah. is a boys night movie. Yeah, I'd, I'd highly recommend this movie, guys. Like I recommended it earlier. Um, I definitely say it's 2020 win. 2020 win. Definitely. Let's go. That's pretty Check cool. Check it out. I've really I wanted to watch that, that one. Uh, I think you have to rent that one. It's not on any services. It's on a... Uh, my uh my my uh pet petty plus oh yeah david has this very exclusive streaming service I very suppose. exclusive very legal very legal anyway um we shouldn't talk about that too long unless there's like some uh authorities listening and going like oh my gosh what does that mean <laughs> yeah, anywho uh let us uh go on to the next suggestion okay oh also that sound i sound a little more sus than i meant to it's not like <laughs> anyway um so my next film is not really connected to mortal Kombat, but for some reason when you said mortal Kombat, i was like oh that connects to my next point i don't think it does uh i want to talk about birds of prey or the fantabulous emancipation of one harley quinn when hard hard name uh it came out in february this was like the first like big budget uh movie like huge movie to come out in 2020 uh you know, it's based off the DC Universe, stars Margot Robbie, Ewan McGregor, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Journey uh, Smollett, and Rosie Perez, among others. It's a huge cast. And it's directed by Kathy Yan. So, yeah. Um, I This is a movie that I feel is going to be, is very divisive. You either are going to really like it or really not like it. Uh, because it takes a, it's essentially Deadpool if it was written by feminists, Ooh. which, yeah, like if you want, like if you hear that and you're automatically deterred, I don't know if I'd suggest it. But on the other hand, it still is Deadpool, but written by feminists. Like it has some of those sparks what made Deadpool so good. Essentially, um, it's about how, you know, uh, Harley Quinn, she just broke up with the Joker. So she's kind of on her own, doing her own bad things. But then she comes across this little girl who's being hunted. Is the hunted. Joker in it? Uh, no, he's not. It's kind of just alluded to. Okay. Uh, but uh, he, she finds this little girl who it has this diamond that Ewan McGregor really wants. So Ewan McGregor is trying to send people to go after it. And Mario Garabi is trying to protect this little girl. And she starts meeting some other characters and like it becomes kind of this big old like, you know, a big old a big old thing, you know, a big old action movie. Uh, but I feel like uh, I feel like with Birds of Prey, in my opinion, like if you want to know how I stand on it, I, I kind of I understand a lot of the criticism because it kind of a lot of the like when it tries to be really over like heavy handed with like its messaging and like. It's it, how so how it's so much like Deadpool and like how like sometimes like sometimes it gets caught up in that you know like it, it gets a little heavy handed and sometimes the little, the feminism kind of references are a little grating because it seems out of place 
but I will admit it's it's been done worse. Basically, it's never quite as bad as that line from Dark Phoenix where uh, Mystique's like, all the women are doing stuff around here. Might as well call it X-Women. Mm. Like, it's never mm. that bad. It's uh. never that bad. Mm. But mm. yeah, right. Ah. Don't don't Do watch I... Dark Phoenix. Dark, <laughs> Dark Phoenix is a mess. <laughs> but uh, Birds of Prey never gets that work bad. Like, never gets that heavy-handed. But it does get a little grading. And... Uh, I also feel it's kind of an odd choice that every male character is portrayed as a villain at some point, regardless of how nice they are. Like they'll they'll end up being a villain by the end. But I don't think that really ruins anything. And I feel like the action scenes here are like really well done. Like they they are very much like a comic action scene. They have a lot of crazy like crazy movements and crazy like ideas and crazy situations that I, I feel that, um, the guy who chore- chore- choreographed the fights was the same guy who choreographed uh, John Wick you know what yeah I wouldn't even be surprised because like there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens that's very like comic booky and like uh, I-, I did appreciate that and I feel like this is definitely a decent idea for a film but I feel like I almost feel like the movie was too ambitious. The idea of making this movie rated R was also a horrible idea. Was there any reason for it to be R? Oh, well, not really. Like She swears a bit, and there's a lot of drug references, and there's one really uncomfortable scene involving sexuality that could have been cut. It's. I think the problem, like making it R, is it came off of Suicide Squad. The last time we saw Margot Robbie was in Suicide Squad. So, like... You have the fans who like Suicide Squad who have to be adults to go see uh, Birds of Prey. But if they didn't like Suicide Squad, they're not going to see Birds of Prey. And if you were a kid who liked Suicide Squad, because quite frankly, that movie's so bad, only a kid could like it, then they can't see Birds of Prey. So, like, it's a really weird idea to make it R. And quite frankly, I don't think it really works. I think they just did it because they wanted to be like Deadpool. And I feel like that is the biggest problem. It wants to be like Deadpool and it kind of is not it's needlessly r and it's needlessly uh heavy handed with its messaging and like it's all right it's <laughs> like, I think it's... like a, a girl's night out kind of movie yeah it definitely could be but also you could watch it with the boys it doesn't it, and depending on how like s- sensitive you guys are to like girl power comments i mean like oh, heavy handed girl power comments not wonder woman we're not talking about like wonder woman levels or like you know we're talking like yeah I mean, sometimes it gets a little heavy-handed. That's what I'm trying to say. But overall, I didn't mind it. It's not the worst movie, but it's also, quite frankly, not, like, it's no masterpiece. But, like, it's definitely for a certain type of people. Like, people will go into this looking for something, and they'll get something out of it, depending on what they wanted. (laughs) It's a little vague, but go check it out and see what you think about it. I would consider it a very borderline flop, but a 2020 flop, but very borderline. It was very close to being a 2020 win. Uh, yeah, but like, quite frankly, you have to go check it out. Like the, the listener, you have to check it out and form your opinion because yeah. there's a lot of moving parts here that I feel like will work for some people and won't work for others. Yes. David, your turn. All right. My next movie is a movie that, Connor, I've heard you talk about so many times. During Warzone. That mm. movie is Scoob. <gasps> Scoob! Scoob. Starring Simon Cowell. Pretty much, honestly. 
<laughs> Simon Cowell is kind of like the star of this movie, but I'll get into that later. Yeah. Scoop is a 2020 movie directed by Tony Servan, which has Will Forte, Ooh. Frank Welker, uh, Mark Wahlberg, Zach Efron, and Simon Cowell. Played yes! by Simon Cowell. Simon Cowell! Yes, sir. And um, this movie, Connor, you haven't seen it, right? No, I really want to, though. <laughs> this movie was definitely something. It is probably the greatest film ever made. It, it, it's a movie. Okay, so everyone, close your eyes. Everyone listening, close your eyes. Ooh, interactive. This yeah. is an interactive episode. Yeah, yeah. And I want you to think of Scooby-Doo, All right? What, what do you I think do about when you think about Scooby-Doo, right? You think about the old gang solving mysteries, being meddling kids, right? Zoinks. Well, take all that and throw it out the window and, <laughs> and, and think of Avengers now. <laughs> that is Scoob right there. Hey, yeah. you can't tell me you've watched an episode of, of Scooby-Doo and didn't say, you know what? This needs to be Avengers. Yes, that's, that's exactly what Scoob is in this movie. It tries too hard to be what it is not. It is trying to hop onto the superhero bandwagon. And a mystery gang can't do that. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. They do it so wrong. And they have Zach Efron as Fred. I, I just didn't like that. <laughs> I didn't like that. Quite really quite did. frankly, quite frankly, quite frankly, I was offended that they cast Zach Efron as Fred. Yes. I, Fred's I a classic character who has such classic lines <laughs> as What's a classic Fred line? Uh, zoinks, jinkies. Uh, uh, wait, what does he say? I thought Fred had classic lines. I don't, not really. I don't know. Anyway, Simon Cowell. <laughs> Simon Cowell, bro. Simon Cowell's in this movie. Simon Cowell's actually the driving force of this movie. Believe it or not. I am not joking about Simon this. Cowell is the voice of Scooby-Doo. No, actually Simon Cowell plays Simon Cowell. Aw, oh, lame. Who, yeah. I, I can't imagine who would even be able to voice Scooby-Doo besides Simon Cowell. Like, Frank Welker, get out of here, dude. You're no, not Simon no, Cowell. No, 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 no. But like, but, like, in all seriousness, Simon Cowell is the reason why things happen in this movie. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not joking if you haven't seen it. Uh, if you have, then you're agreeing with me right now, being like, yes, Simon Cowell is the driving force of this movie. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this movie is just not good, and it's trying too hard to be what it's not. And it's sad. It's sad. This movie had potential, and it looks so good. The animation looks incredible, but it's just wasted potential. Scoop is wasted potential all around, and the characters introduced, like like the like the Falcon guy, the blue Vo- voice by Mark Wa- Mark Wahlberg. Yes, his character is so annoying. It's actually so annoying. And I feel like Velma, Daphne, and Fred are just stuck in the back. They're stuck in the background. 
Like it, it's it's basically the Shaggy and Scooby and Blue Falcon movie. I feel like I think like Simon Cowell has more screen time than Velma, Daphne, and Fred. That's, imagine, that's imagine the level of disrespect there, being like, "Oh yeah, in the Scooby Doo movie, Simon Goddamn Cowell has more screen time than three out of the five members of the team." Yes, <laughs> that's funny, bro. Yes, Scoop. Ah, instant classic for sure. Instant classic. I cannot wait to get my hands on the Scoob Blu-ray and watch all of the ex- the deleted scenes and the co- director commentary and the behind <laughs> the scenes of Scoob. Scoob. <sighs> Scoob was definitely something. Definitely oh, something. And the thing is that, like, even in the beginning, it had potential because. Like, you see them meeting, and you see them solve a mystery, meaning that they're aware that they're a mystery gang, but then they just throw it all away when they're adults. It's like, what the heck? What, what yeah. the heck? It's... Scooby-Doo fans feeling betrayed. Yes. Scooby-Doo fans, you should feel betrayed. This movie is a disaster. It is a 2020 flop. Oof, 2020 flop. flop. That's a great term. Thank you. Thank you for brainstorming that. Thank you. I kind of just came up with it on the spot. Yeah, it's good. It was a good thing to think up on the spot. Thank you. Thank you. But um, yeah, if you're a Scooby Doo fan, don't watch this. If you are an anything fan, don't watch this. If you're looking for a movie to be disappointed in, watch this. But if you're interested, still check it out. And yeah. it is, it is, it is a 2020 movie, and they, as as much as I agree that this movie is probably crappy, you never know. There's somebody out there who might enjoy it, so we're gonna go with that. You know. All right. Okay, I'm gonna go on to my next one. Uh, this is where I kind of start to go into the more positive ones. Uh, I'm gonna. These are start to where I, this is where I'd start to say they're kind of successes. And I watched this film pretty recently like a couple days ago, because I wanted to get some more 2020 movies in. Also, because as a whole, uh, up until recently, I had not seen much great, like, 2020 movies. For as great as this year's been, because of since quarantine's happened, I've been able to watch so many movies I've been wanting to see for so long. I have not seen that many great 2020 movies. So these were, I had to watch a couple to try to get some, to start to get some good ones in there. So I decided to watch the film Shirley. It is on Hulu. It is directed by Josephine Decker. And essentially, I, Shirley is very similar to uh, a movie called like Mandy, which is starred Nicolas Cage, came out in 2018. Essentially, it's a thriller that it, le- it has a lot of very vague images and very, seems very metaphorical. So it, it's one of those movies that you probably should go watch a uh, ending explained for like right after you finish it. But essentially what it is, is it's about this, uh, these, this couple played by Logan Lerman and Odessa Young, I believe. I may have, I, I wrote it down, but I have the word, the letter looks a little weird. Anyways, these two uh, move into this, or they come to stay in this house of this uh, famous horror writer. Because Logan Lerman, the husband, is learning from this author's husband, who is a teacher. But this author lady who's played by Elizabeth Moss 
she's like uh, very isolated. She's very mean to everyone. She says her she like says whatever's on her mind. She hates everybody. She's really like cruel and stuff. But as the movie goes on, you see um, Odessa Young, the wife, uh, start to like starts to kind of get to know and uh, get more personal with this uh, with this author lady, and things get a little weird. There's a lot of weird images, a lot of like vague like vague scenes that you don't know quite you're not quite sure what they mean it's one of those movies that you have like i said you have to probably watch a video for because it's really really confusing and has a lot of metaphorical stuff and as a whole i think movie is actually pretty okay i thought it was a pretty solid entry into this like thriller genre that leaves a lot kind of like a little bit of horror elements leaves a lot unanswered but the, th- the thing i had or the biggest issue i had with it is when you have one of these movies, you really want like super strong imagery. Like when something gets disturbing in these kind of movies, you need to get real disturbing so that like you'll remember it, you know, and like it'll stick so that like by the time it ends, you have these scenes in memory. Where you're like, these were so disturbing and prominent. Like, what do they mean? You know, uh, the problem with Shirley is I feel like they did not go all the way into into doing something like that. So by the time the story ended and I kind of got every scene, like every scene was shown to me, I didn't remember a lot of the most important images because they weren't that striking. Like this movie isn't very, is not supernatural. So like the, the disturbing part comes from the, how the characters act and like nothing really goes all the way. Like you're never getting really disturbing scenes. So I feel like, I didn't like there's a lot of stuff I didn't feel like I needed to remember, you know, like I felt like I could try to piece together the story, but I don't know. I mean, like a lot of scenes didn't stick out. So should I really even bother? Like it didn't really have a lot of sticking power in terms of the metaphorical stuff or like the actual story. But I still say this is a pretty decent movie because they at least they put in the effort, you know, like at least they put in the effort to make something that's more metaphorical and different and like gives you some thinking points after it ended. I'd rather them try than not at all. And apparently this movie is a biopic, which the idea of making a biopic really like weird and met and uh, symbolic is a good idea. Like that's an interesting idea that's never been done before. Like rocket man is the first one I can think of that did a musical out of biopics, but this is the first one I think that made a horror movie or a thriller movie out of it. So it's kind of unique. And Elizabeth Moss as this author really good like she was really really good in this movie because elizabeth moss is like really good at making characters who are just constantly mad <laughs> like they, they, she just does that well and i mean i i and all the performances are pretty good and there were some really good scenes here and there i just feel like i wish the story was more like it was more engaging and i wish the imagery was much more striking so that by the time it ended it would stick with me but for me, surely it's not going to last that long. But it's definitely a solid movie. And I definitely suggest it for people who like to think about what they're watching. Because this could be a fun one to watch and try to piece together. Just for me, it didn't, the story didn't 100% grab me. But the performances definitely did. And I still say this is a 2020 win for sure. And it's on Hulu. So if you want to watch it, go check it out. Good stuff, Connor. Good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, we are on to your next one, right? How many more do you have? 
Um, I have one last one and then the one that we're doing together. Okay. I actually, uh, so I actually have two more in the one we're doing together. Uh, I totally, I must have miscounted. So you do yours and I'll do two in a row and then, or wait, no. Well, just go with yours and I'll think about it. Okay. My next one is The Five Bloods. The Five Bloods. The Five Bloods. That's the one that was on Netflix. Yep, yep, yep. I recently watched this movie a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. I think it was Friday, I think I watched it. I, I think so. I think, I think so. Anyways, this movie was directed by Spike Lee. It we has, all love Spike Lee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it has Chadwick Boseman. From, he's Black Panther, if you're not aware of who that is. He plays Black Panther in this Defy Bloods movie. No, no, no. He plays Black Panther in Black Panther. There you go. Yeah. I guess that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, but anyways, this movie was surprisingly, well, I knew it was going to be good. But I didn't think it would be that interesting. You know, I thought it'd be kind of boring. It'd be kind of like this kind of documentary almost. And in the beginning, it kind of was. So this movie is about these four Vietnam veterans, right? Mm -hmm. And they go back to Vietnam um, to look for this treasure that they all found, including Chadwick Boseman, whose character's name is Norm. Um, he actually died in Vietnam. Um, and they found this treasure of like a ton of gold, like $17 million worth of gold they found. So they're going back to find it in the jungle where Norm died, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're just, okay, the guy, the, like the main, the main guy who we follow, his name is Paul, right? Mm. And Paul brings his son along. But the thing is, he doesn't have a very good relationship with his son. Uh, so it, that's kind of like a whole thing. And Paul's kind of like suffering from PTSD from the war. And he kind of lashes at his, his brothers, his bloods, as he calls them. The mm. bloods. There's, there's five bloods. Oh, ooh, ooh, title connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The five bloods. There are five bloods. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you learn about all these characters' backstories and their, their ties to Nam and what Vietnam really meant to them. And they also talked about um, like the struggles of being an African-American and fighting in the war because so many Black people never got credit for fighting in this terrible war, you know? Like, they'd come back and nobody would care. They would be sent out because they couldn't afford to go to college like other people could. So they had to go out and fight in this war, and they got, like, no credit for it, for being veterans in this war. And it was it's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Um, so this movie is, is really good. I, I would highly recommend it. If, if you've seen Apocalypse Now, um... I think you'd also really enjoy this movie. It's it's very well done. It's directed by Spike Lee. Uh, like I mentioned, I, m- I mentioned the cast, right? You got that. Uh, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think he's the only person that you guys would recognize. I mean, 
it depends on how well versed you are into film. I don't know the actors myself, but you never know. It has uh, Delroy Lindo, <gasps> Majors, Clark. We got him. Norm Lewis. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, it, it's a really good movie, guys. Um, like halfway through, it gets super interesting. Like when they're in Nam and like things are happening, and like when when they're in the jungle, it's it gets super intense. It really does. Watch this movie. It's very good. I definitely say it's a 2020 win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch this for so long. It's just, it's a longer movie, so I have to prepare for it, you know? Yeah. But I have been watching long movies recently, so it's definitely not out of the ballpark, you know? I can, I can still watch it. I really want yeah. to. Yeah. Very good, very good. Anyways, um, I think what I will do, since I have two more and you have one more, I think, yeah, I guess we'll talk about one together and then I'll do one final one after. Sorry about that. I didn't. I must have not thought about it or miscounted or something. Uh, anywho, I want to talk about Bad Boys for Life. Bad Boys for Life. It was directed by a pair of direct of directors. One named Adil L R B, and then one named Bilal Falah. You Bilal see, Bilal Falah. Falah. Yeah. Falah. Yeah. And so, and of course, it's the third sequel or the second sequel to the classic Bad Boys film starring Will Smithy Smith and Marty Mart Vorance. <laughs> so this movie, it takes place. They're older now, you know, like these uh, Marty Mart and Willie Will are real, are real old now. They're 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 hitting their uh, older years. And Will Smith or no, Mar- no, 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 I'm sorry. Martin Lawrence wants to retire. Will Smith's like, no, dude, you need to stay. We got to do this bad boys for life. You know what I'm saying? But then someone tries to kill Will Smith. And Will Smith's oh, like, no. Will Smith's like, I've got to get this guy back. And Martin Lawrence is like, um, no, I'm trying to retire. But Will Smith's like, but I just got attempted. You know, I almost, someone just tried to kill me. So, you know, after some deliberation, the two finally go back together to go out there and catch the guy who tried to kill Martin, to kill Will Smith. And this movie I watched it with my friend Michael, you know, the guy who was on the podcast with us for the anime episode. And he's over here saying, like, it was the greatest film ever. Well, he didn't say that, but he really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed it, too, because, you know, Will, Will Smithy Smith and Marty Mart Lawrence are a classic pairing. I mean, Bad Boys 1, it's a classic film. I haven't seen Bad Boys 2 yet, but Bad Boys for Life, like, it totally builds on that. You feel like Will Smith and uh, Martin Lawrence really have been friends for this long the two of them have so much chemistry. They're so fun to see on screen together. But I feel like the movie becomes dead weight when the villains show up. I swear <laughs> the villains, the villains are so boring and so generic. Like it's such action movie, like cliches and they're so boring. And like, they, they cut to them a lot. I'm like, okay guys, this is bad boys. This is not bad villains. You know, we're, we're covering <laughs> the main guys. We don't care about these guys. And, like, by the end, where the villains become, like, really prominent and, like, there's a couple of character moments and character reveals they show, then I'm like, really, guys? Like, you, why are you putting all your cards into this basket of the villains being interesting? Because they're really not. But, like, overall, man, like, the Bad Boys is such a, like, fun series anyway. And I feel like Bad Boys for Life is a great way to finish it off. I, I think there might be doing a fourth one, but if they do stick with this third one, it's a great, or this one being the finale, I feel like this is a great way to end it off because it does get all those fun moments. It's got a lot of laughs. It's got a lot of action. And I feel like it's totally like a movie that 
I could see being one that you watch with all your friends, like your big group of like 20 friends or something. Even the boys. Yeah, you go watch with the boys, you go watch with anybody. And everybody will be laughing and having a good time. I mean, it may not be a great movie, but it's definitely a fun one. And like, you know, that's all you can ask for, you know? Yeah. Bad boys, bad boys. What you're going to do, what you do when they come for you, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I say this is definitely a 2020 win, Good. but it, it does have some annoying villain things that I really wish they'd stop like focusing on. I remember this specifically, there was a scene. I don't remember. I think it was near the beginning where I'm like, okay, I think I might've said this out loud in the theater. I'm like, okay, they're still going with these guys. <laughs> like they, they, they really shouldn't have focused on those villains so much, but you know what? I still enjoy this movie. And, you know, Martin Lawrence and Will Smith are, stu- are still on screen more, so it's forgivable. But, yeah, that's my thoughts on Bad Boys for Life. Good stuff, man. All right, so this last one we've seen, we've both seen. Yep. So we'll talk about it a bit, then I got one more, and then we can go to our suggestions. Hey, Connor, why don't you just cover your next one? Oh, all right, if you want me to. Yeah, true that. Okay, cool. So the thing, I'll give you some context. So... I had not seen a truly great movie in 2020 until yesterday because like, I don't know. I just hadn't done it yet. I hadn't seen the five bloods and quite, I just hadn't seen much that was truly great until I, last night I watched a movie with my friend and that movie was Palm Springs on Hulu. It was directed by Max Bar, uh, Bar, Barbacow, Barbacow, Barbacow. Yeah. And has Andy Samberg, uh, Kristen Melody, and J.K. Simmons. And J.K. Simmons? Yeah, it's got J.K. Simmons. Uh, and essentially the movie is, you know Groundhog Day with the infinite loop? Like the infinite day, the day repeating over and over again? Yeah. It's very similar to that. There's a wedding and uh, this, this girl, Kristen Melody, gets stuck in this time loop with this other guy, Andy Samberg, who's been in the loop for a while. And the thing I love about this one is the the premise isn't that they get stuck in it for one reason or another. They just get stuck in it, and they're just stuck in it. There is no way to get out. So the movie, a majority of this movie is just the two of them having a ton of fun messing around and doing stuff that they couldn't do because, you know, they had another day where they had to deal with the repercussions. They could just do whatever they want. And a lot of the movie is just that. The characters having fun. You get to know these two characters. I absolutely loved both Andy Samberg and Kristen Melody in this. They were both fantastic, great performances. I laughed so much from these guys. They're great. They have so much on-screen chemistry. It was, it was just a ton of fun. And I love how the movie, like, as the movie goes on, it, it feels like you get to know these people really well. Like, you, you know these people. Like, like you know that uh, Andy Samberg's character, and you know Kristen Melody's character, and, like, just seeing them go through all this and like having fun and like going through the natural hiccups that would happen when you're stuck with the same person for eternity, reliving the same day over and over again is a lot of fun. It really is. And JK Simmons is freaking hilarious too. Like he, he gets caught in the loop before Kristen Melody does. So Andy Samberg and him were kind of just fighting every day until she showed up. Cause you know, obviously JK Simmons would be mad that, uh, that Andy Samberg got him in the loop. Just like, uh, just like, you know, he's stuck in the loop with him. So he's like, you know, they're living their lives the same day over and over again. Naturally, they're kind of going to butt heads, you know, it's a pretty good movie, pretty good movie. And like, I remember just having so much fun. This is a movie that like you can sit down and just have a ton of fun with because like, everyone's having a great time. 
and it's just it has a great ideas. It has lots of fun moments, and it's just a, it's one of those movies that you can just chill and like it'll put a smile on your face. It's great. It's a very summery movie. Oh, definitely very summery. It's very colorful. It's very like there's a lot of pool moments. There's a lot of like summer vibes. Lots of palm trees. It is in Palm Springs. It's a very summery movie. I definitely suggest this one. It's a lot of fun. It's no masterpiece or anything because it does have flaws, but it is one of those movies that I would love to watch like more of. I'd love to see it again, and like it, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say. Good stuff. In retrospect, I probably shouldn't have said anything about J.K. Simmons' character. I, that is kind of a later reveal, but shh. Anyways, David. Yes. It is time to talk yes. about our final movie. Tis, tis, I don't know why I'm hyping it up. It's not like it, it's not like it's worth hyping up. But <laughs> you know what? It's time to talk about a movie that we've both seen. The only one so far that we've both seen. Yep. And that film is Onward. Disney Pixar's Onward, the classic, the classic animated film that was like the last thing to come out before quarantine. Yeah. What well, it came out during quarantine. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was out. Yeah, but I think it came out like the weekend before things started going down. I I think. Maybe. I don't know. The point is, we're going to talk to you guys about what we think about the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Do you want to summarize it for the viewers at home? Sure. Also, because I did did not write down the director or anything, so. So, onward. Onward, 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 onward. 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 This movie was directed by Dan Scallion. Dan Scallion. And it has Tom Holland and Chris Pratt as two brothers. And these two brothers find this magic wand. Um, It was a gift from their dad who passed away. And they figure out that they can bring their dad back for one day. And so they half succeed and bring back their dad's pants. Mm-hmm. Or his bottom half, kind of, I guess. And so they do that because they have like, this magical crystal and the magical crystal they have runs out. So they have to get a new magical crystal. So they go on a quest to find a new magical crystal. Um, before 24 hours and time runs out and they don't have any more time with their dad. Um, and so Chris Pratt's character is supposed to be this geeky kind of fantasy obsessed guy who loves to go on magical quests and stuff while his younger brother, Tom Holland, um, he's more down to earth you know, he's just trying to live his life, you know, go to school, get the girl, have friends. And I don't think this one had any girls that he was no, going it, after. Yes, there was. Was there? Yeah. No, I thought it was just friends. No, I thought it was like the girl he wanted to ask out. No, it was, it was the guy. It was those people. It was a group of people. He was going to ask them to come to his party. Are you sure? I think it was a group of people. Yeah, I don't think it was just one girl. All right. Anyways, he, wanted to, he, wanted, he wanted to make some friends, you know, just trying to be a normal teen kind of you know and so he's kind of dragged into this quest with his brother 
who was super eccentric. And this movie was just a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to watch. You know, it had a lot of Disney magic to it. But I personally think that it's not one of Pixar's strongest films. Like, compared to, like, say, Ratatouille or Up, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, because, to me, when it comes to Pixar, it's kind of like... It's like kind of like the sense of realism, right? Like, that, mm-hmm. I think that's what makes it so amazing. It's like you can connect to it because, like, though it isn't real, you can still connect to it, right? This, it's like I felt detached from the world. But, like, the characters are a lot of fun. It's just the world itself felt not as attachment-y, you know? Attachment-y. Attachment-y. Write that down. Uh, write that down. <laughs> um, but, like, I, I liked the movie a lot. It was, it was a lot of fun. Definitely classic, is... classic Pixar. Classic. Mm-hmm. That was well said. Well said. I like the attachment D line. That was a good one. <laughs> um, I agree. It is a pretty fun movie. Uh, I, and I think uh, my biggest issue is, and it's similar to kind of what you were saying, like, Pixar does always has a great job of con- like right when the movie starts, you're automatically hooked on story, the world, and the characters. This one, you get the story enough because the story, you know, bringing back your dad for 24 hours when you didn't have one is a kind of like a universally respectable idea. And the characters are good because the two of them have great chemistry and they're fun. But I feel like, yeah, like you said, the world, I feel the world is not anything we haven't seen before. Like, it's just Shrek. Like, <laughs> quite frankly, it's not. It's it's Shrek, but done by Pixar. And not that it's horrible. It's not bad. It's just like we have we've seen that. So I feel like you need to have a, like an exceptional story and characters to overcompensate. And I feel it. The characters are good, and rather than the world and the story was good, but like I didn't feel like it was perfect at overcompensating that. So the movie kind of feels in and of itself like one big Dungeons and Dragons quest with a very generic world, but characters you liked until the end. Like, I feel the the final moments of this movie are what make it go from good to great. I, I just wish the emotion was there the entire movie. I wish they'd had that Pixar touch of inspiration where like the entire movie felt like this emotional roller coaster. It kind of just felt like uh, it, it felt like a roller coaster that was going straight and occasionally had a couple of bumps until the last couple of minutes when it went and got really, really cool and fun. Like that's basically my best uh, analogy to describe it because the ending works really well, but I feel everything leading up to it almost kind of feels uh, not quite as good. It feels a little uh, relaxing. But I do enjoy this film a lot because the ending does give you a lot. Mm-hmm. And the movie is still fun because the characters are great. And, you know, Chris Pratt and Tom Holland are just two awesome voice actors. And their personality shines through the uh, characters really well. well so, okay. yeah, thank you. I really enjoy Onward. And please go watch this. It was a 2020 win, right? Mm-hmm. 2020 win. Yeah. So we have talked about, uh, we've talked about um, Onward. We've talked about Palm Springs. We've talked about Mortal Kombat. We've talked about Scoob. We've talked about Shirley. We've talked about Bad Boys. We've talked about 
uh, the five bloods we talked about, the kissing booth, birds of prey, willowbees. We've talked about a lot of movies. Yep, yep. So if you are still lacking and trying to find 2020 movies, there's no movies that came out this year. Yeah, right. There are plenty of movies that come out this year. You just got to keep looking. And that's not even like, that's not even uh, addressing the movies we didn't watch this year that have come out. You know, like movies like The King of Staten Island or Call of the Wild or like. Uh, there's so many movies out there that have come out. The Lovebirds, which I've seen and didn't talk about because it sucks. Uh, the Extraction, Horse Girl. He, like, name it. There's so many movies that have come out this year. And some of them that are, are available on streaming services. You, you, you guys just got to keep looking. You cannot look me in the eye and say nothing came out in 2020. Yeah. Just keep looking. And Suggestion I'm, time. Suggestion time. Okay. I got to flip the page because all my suggestions are on the back. Okay. Uh, David, would you like to start with your suggestions for the day? For sure. I have a movie and two shows. I actually watched two shows this week, guys. uh, That's pretty crazy. I mean, they're pretty short shows, but nonetheless, I watched two shows. All right. So my movie, this is a, it's kind of an old movie. It came out in 2007, but I rewatched it last Monday. Um, and this movie is both. Bolt. Bolt. Uh, now, I know Connor isn't the biggest fan of Bolt. Yeah, no. Bolt's boring. I've never, I've never really liked it. But I've always kind of had this, like, emotional connection to the movie, you know? And I don't I can't really tell what it is, you know? Maybe it's the road trip kind of style of the movie, or maybe it's the score. I don't know. I can't really put my finger on why I like this movie so much. You know, Goofy movie has those exact same things. Hmm. Yes, it does. You're right. Maybe, maybe you like it because it reminds you of Goofy movie. Maybe. Road trip, good score. Maybe, maybe. Who knows? But if you, for some reason, haven't seen this movie yet, I would recommend watching it. Um, if you have seen it, I'd recommend giving another watch because. This movie is definitely a very feel-good, emotional movie. Um, just like most Disney movies. Definitely covers those bases quite well. Um, it's kind of like it's kind of like a superhero movie. Kind of in the beginning. Kind of like Scoob. A little <laughs> bit of Sco- uh, Scoob vibes. <laughs> kind of Scoob vibes. But not quite. It's, it's superhero slash coming of age slash slice of life oh good lord <laughs> they were just like uh what are my favorite genres of uh, <laughs> uh dogs <laughs> but uh i mean the, the dog's pretty adorable like like pu- puppy version of both sean c- c- connor 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 cute I'm, yeah cute cute i almost called you sean because i was sean yesterday sorry <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I, I am pretty Sean-like. My bad, my bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Go watch it. Go watch it. <laughs> uh, good stuff, good stuff. Right. You got two shows. You got two shows. My first, and they're both animes, actually. Oh, I know, me. I know. How dare you watch a show that's animated and from oh, Japan? How dare you? I'm sorry. All right, so my first, my first show that I started last Sunday and I finished on Wednesday 
is Death Note. Death Note. Death Note. Now, from about Monday to about Tuesday, I loved the show. I loved it. Um, and I still do. Um, like, I thought that because the story is so engaging. It's such an addicting story that you can't stop. You don't want to stop. So the show is about this guy named Light Yagami who gets his hands on a death note, which means that if you were to write someone's name in it and cause a death, they will instantly die. Um, so he kind of has like godlike powers and he wants to rid the world of all evil and all bad things right and so him and a death god named Ryuk he kind of like watches over him and he doesn't really do much besides talk to him and give him tips about the death note and stuff besides that he doesn't really do much um <laughs> And so it's Light versus this guy named L. He's like this world-class detective, best detective in the entire world. And he was tasked to solve the case of these murders. Now, Light has these supernatural powers. And they live in a world similar to ours, where supernatural powers don't really exist. So he's trying to solve a case with, like, going against stuff that supposedly doesn't exist and they do it in a way where like it makes sense like how he's solving the case makes a lot of sense and it's super engaging and super interesting but towards the latter half of the show things start to go downhill and I'm not going to spoil the reasons why but I'm just going to say things just aren't the same and it doesn't even feel like the same show anymore. It feels like a terrible second season. Um, but I'm not saying you shouldn't watch the show because definitely do. Very good story. Um, Connor, you should watch it. Still, that felt that felt really personal. Watch it. Maybe maybe because you said my name, but that hurt yeah. my feelings. Watch it. Um, yeah, it's short. It's only 37 episodes. Very short. You could watch it within like a week. Very short. Um, pretty good show. Highly recommend it. Yeah. Good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. You got one more. One more show. And personally, as of right now, I like this show better than Death Note. It's only 12 episodes, so you could, like, watch it in, like, a day or two. And this show is The Promised Neverland. Very exciting, very exciting. Um... I've, I've heard about this show for a while. I just never got around to watching it. And this show is about an orphanage, right? These kids in an orphanage. Um, but they're kind of like trapped at this orphanage, surrounded by like this huge wall. And there's only one gate to get out. And the kids never really thought much about it until these three super smart kids... Um, want to go check it out, right? Um, and it turns out that there are demon monsters on the other side of that wall. Um, and they're 
quite intelligent demon monsters that because they're actually buying the kids to eat once they reach a certain age. So these three kids are trying to break out, not just them, but every kid at that orphanage and they're babies. So they have to move everyone outside the wall safely without being caught. And it's super interesting. Like, I'd say it's even more addicting than Death Note was. The story's super engaging, guys. And it's super short, too. So, highly recommend starting this show. It's really, really good. Definitely, you should give it a watch. Definitely give it a watch. Awesome, awesome, dude. Very good stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. righty, I will address my suggestions very quickly. I have a song and two films because this week was really good for films for me. I watched a lot of good stuff. But I want to talk about my song first. And take a wild guess who it is. The Monkees. The Monkees, right. So they've been doing the song machine where pretty much every month they or every other month seems like they'll release a new song with a video and usually it's pretty it's a pretty big deal they hype it up. Uh, the first week it had Momentary Bliss. Great song. Then they topped it with Deso Lee, the next one. Then they topped it again with Aries. Aries is even better than Deso Lee. Then they kind of had a little step back with, uh, with Friday 13th. Good song, but not quite as good as the other three. But then they went and fixed that. Because they've, the next song they've had for the song machine is easily the best song they've done. It, like, there is no part of the song I do not like. And it is Pac-Man is the song. And it's featuring Schoolboy Q. That's kind of the rap artist that kind of comes on. Schoolboy Q. Schoolboy Q. Yeah, uh, this song is amazing. I love this song. Right from how it begins. It begins right off the bat where it's all silent. Then you hear hear, um, the singer 2D go, all righty. And then (laughs) the music starts. And it plays this really, really infectiously catchy hook. That I, I can't tell. It kind of sounds like it might have been taken from maybe some old uh, Japanese action film, maybe. I can't tell. But it's this really catchy hook that they play throughout the song that is so good. And then the, the voice, like the actual lines come in, and it's so good. I swear to you, man. This is one of the best produced songs they've done. It has some of the best, like, some of the most memorable lines from all the songs. And... The schoolboy Q coming in near the end is like great. That and like it, the kind of segues where it goes silent, like a, it starts to quiet down after uh, after 2D's been singing, you know, it starts to quiet down and then bam, like suddenly he bursts in and schoolboy Q just owns the rest of the song. He is so like the, the bars he spits out are so good ooh, and ooh, the like bars. how it syncs up with that hook I was telling you about earlier is perfect. Like, it sounds great. I love, like, I love how impassioned he sounds while he's, while he's rapping and stuff. It's great. This is easily the best song from, um, from um, the song machine and one of Gorilla's best songs, in my opinion. I absolutely adored this song. I've listened to it several times and I cannot get it out of my head. I've been singing it for the past, like, five days. It has been crazy. And it's a great song. Go check it out. It's Pac-Man. And my two movies... My first movie is one that I watched the other day 
that although it's not my favorite movie I've watched this week, it is still like one of the most fun movies I watched this week. And it is Django Unchained. I recommended Did, Django. Yeah, movies. yeah, I know, I know. Uh, you suggested it. You suggested it, but I'm here to reinforce it because I just watched it and it is so fun. I love that movie. Like, I I do not like Jamie Foxx. Like, I'm not a huge fan of that actor. I mean, he just doesn't... I've never seen him in a role that I felt like he owned. But this one he did. I think this is probably the best time I've seen Jamie, Jamie. Foxx and Annie? He looks really bored for about half that movie. <laughs> half the movie he looked really bored. The other half he seems like he's fun. Like, he's having a good time. But, like, I'm not a huge fan of Jamie Foxx, but he owns this role. He's great. The film's about how there's, there's this guy who gets freed. Well, he was a slave who got freed by Christoph Waltz, who's this bounty hunter. And he's like, hey, we're going to hunt down these guys who you used to, you know, be, used to belong to because, you know, slavery. And after they get those guys, it's like, hey, you're a good, you're a pretty good guy. You want to join, want to be my partner? So then, uh, you know, uh, you got uh, Jamie Foxx and Christoph Waltz, you know, team up to go, uh, you know, do bounty hunting things, eventually go free Jamie Foxx's wife who is owned by uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and his huge, uh, his huge plantation. Uh, but yeah, this movie is crazy fun. Like, uh, like, you, you know, you got, you got, um, Quentin Tarantino is always really good at like making these really dark, but really fun movies because the characters are so engaging. And this is one of the best examples of that because like, I loved Christoph Waltz and I loved Jamie Foxx. And even though he was really despicable, I thought uh, Leonardo DiCaprio did gave a really great performance. And not that I liked him, but I liked uh, I liked Leonardo DiCaprio in that role. And I like I thought like the castings were perfect here. And like and Sam Jackson was great. I thought I didn't. I kind of forgot Sam Jackson was in the cast. And then I, when he showed up near the end, I'm like, oh my gosh! And then Sam Jackson comes up and he's like all crotchety and old. And I'm like, my god, this is perfect. I I really liked him until he started becoming, you know, a tool, but besides the point. Like the characters here are perfectly cast and it's a lot of fun. It has a lot of disturbing moments and it has a lot of dark moments that I feel really do are really well done cuz like a lot of movies can deal with that kind of tone whiplash where like you go have fun points and you have really disturbing points that don't really meld. But here this one did really well. They did a good job of pacing it where you could say oh, I had a lot of fun with this movie while simultaneously recognizing that it gets really dark. Like, it, it's a good way of balancing everything. It has a good balancing act there. It's a lot of fun, really dark, good characters. You know, what could, more could you ask for, you know? Uh, yeah. Good stuff. Then the last film is not as fun, but it's, it's intentionally not as fun. This is one of those movies that is an important film, a very important film, especially now that 30 years after it came out is still so important. And that is Do the Right Thing, directed by Spike Lee. Do Wait, the Right Thing. I thought I recommended a Spike Lee movie. You did, did, but it wasn't, did it wasn't, during, it wasn't during the recommendations, so it's fine. Uh, Sh- shut uh, up. Uh, shush, uh, shush. Uh, uh. Shush, shush, shush. No, it's fine. You didn't recommend it during the recommendations, so it's fine. Sp- yeah, Do the Right Thing is about this community of just this, this this community down it's kind of like a a very like low income community mostly black because it was in the 80s and there was those kind of communities but there is this italian restaurant there and this italian restaurant is like you know it's owned by these italian people 
and they have this wall of this hall of fame, you know, like all these Italian people. And a guy comes in and goes, wait, there are no black people on this wall. And then the guy's like, well, yeah, it's only Italian people. This is an Italian restaurant. He's like, but only black people come here because, you know, it's, a, it's in a neighborhood that's mostly black. But then, you know, the Ita- Italian guy takes that as like a threat or something and, you know, gets, kicks him out. And then it kind of becomes like this kind of like snowball effect where some stuff happens because of that and then starts to build and build and build. But I want to note before you watch that, based off of the concept, it's really not a it's not a story centric movie because if you're looking for like a really like engaging narrative for the first hour of this movie, you're not going to get that because it's very character centric and very community centric. You get to know a lot of different characters. You get to know how they operate. You get to know how these people are. So it's very, it starts out very personal. You're just getting to know people and like the movie, the movie only starts to become a story near the end where it starts to pick up, after what happened with at the at the restaurant and like things start to go down and i love how the movie begins because you get like all these cool character moments you get to know these people and like there's some really funny lines here and there but like for the most part you just get to know these people but then the ending comes up and it puts a lot of what you've been seeing into perspective and the entire climax is extremely haunting because it's still happening the stuff that happens near the end here involving like racial relations and like what happens when things start to go south, like when, when, you know, people start to get aggressive, this stuff still happens. The, the images they show is so striking and like, so relevant. It's kind of insane. This movie came out in 1989. It's kind of insane. And like, it's a movie about understanding each other and listening and trying to do the right thing, you know, as the title implies that I feel we really do need nowadays. This movie needs to be shown to people to understand each other, like work on communication and stop being so mad at each other and just listen and talk and work out the prejudices instead of just letting them build up, you know? Like, it's such a well-done and really, like, really poetic movie, you know? It has a lot to say, and it does it really well. It's like, it may not be perfect because there's a couple scenes I feel like they could have cut because, like, it just kind of seems useless, but I cannot stress how important some of the, the messages are here and the climax and how it really does encapsulate what's going on in real life and the problems we still have. And chance star will always have, because there will always be racist idiots out there who can't understand that everyone's a person. We should respect everyone regardless of what they look like. It's a movie that is so relevant. And I feel like everyone should watch at some point no matter when, because it will always be relevant. It always has been and always will be. It's a great film. Yeah, that's all I have to say on it. Good stuff. Good stuff, good stuff. Okay, we have laughed together. We have cried together. We have ended this episode together. Uh, I had a good time. What do you think? I also had a good time. Pretty solid, pretty solid. Uh, Check out the Instagram at what's that smell underscore you thinking again. That's where you'll get... What? It's going to be a long episode. Uh, actually, I don't. I don't think so. I think it's about the average. I think, but we'll have to see because we did have a cut in the middle, so we're yeah. going to see how it goes. Yeah. Um, please, yeah, go check out the po- the, go Instagram. check out the uh, Instagram. That's right. That's right. Yeah, check out that Instagram. Um, thank you again for listening in. Please share this with other people. We want to keep this getting this viewership strong. Last episode did really well. 
I'm really happy about that. We'll keep uh, keep expanding, keep sharing, you know, all that good stuff. Thank you again for listening. I have been Connor. This is David. And this was this was the show that we call. What's that smell? You thinking again. <laughs>